You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, well, um, obviously we're very disappointed about the outcome of the game. Uh, I don't think we played great in the first half, but I was really, really proud of the way our players played in the second half. We just didn't finish the last four minutes of the game uh, like we'd like to, and we're all very disappointed, and the players are disappointed as well. Uh, But one thing that I told them in the locker room after the game, this is one of the most amazing seasons in Alabama football history in terms of where this team came from, what they were able to accomplish, and what they were able to do. Uh, winning the SEC championship, and um, really, really proud of this group. And um, you know, I just wish that I could have done more as a coach to, you know, help them be successful and help them finish. And all we can do now is learn from the lessons that uh, sometimes failings bring to us. Nick Saban, following Alabama's overtime loss last night. <clears throat> At the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, California, Michigan wins it 27-20. As Coach Saban noted, they played very well in the second half up until the last four minutes. They allowed a lengthy touchdown and uh, then couldn't get it done in overtime, defensively or offensively. But I think another thing I will take from what we just heard from Nick Saban is it's been an amazing season. And, Lars, I think I'll start there as opposed to breaking down the actual X's and O's of the game because certainly we have two hours to do that. But who would ever thought three games into the season that Alabama would be even in the position, even in the playoffs, much less, you know, much less. They didn't have Michigan on the ropes, but uh, they were in control late. It just didn't happen. Welcome in. Big Noon Sports, Matt, Lars, the gang is here. Lars, how you doing? And uh, Happy New Year, by the way. Hey, Happy New Year. Happy, Happy New Year. I know uh, today is a difficult day for Alabama fans, but if you do step back and look at the totality of the season, I agree with Nick Saban 100%. This has been one of the most remarkable seasons in uh, the Nick Saban tenure. I mean, I think you got to go back to 2009 and when they won their first national championship, uh, beating Florida in the SEC championship that year. And now uh, this 2023 season with uh, the loss to Texas, the benching of Milrow, the disaster down in South Florida, and then to get all the way to the college football semifinal against Michigan. So, Matt, I did not see this coming. I did not see this coming. And uh, and you know what? Pretty much every Alabama-based reporter we talked to, other than maybe Mike Rodak, pretty much every Alabama reporter we talked to, they didn't see this coming either. And I, I thought Alabama had better athletes. I thought they would be uh, stronger at the line of scrimmage. I thought uh, Jalen would uh, really rise to the occasion. But, you know, uh, they got to give so much credit to the Wolverines. Um, they, were phys- they were physical at the point of attack. They dominated Alabama's offensive line for much of the first half and then again at the very end of the game when it mattered most late in the fourth quarter and that, um, you know, fateful fourth and three with the game on the line. They sacked Jalen Milroe a season high six times and they were the bully. They were the bully 
And I just, I was shocked to see them win at the point of attack consistently on both sides of the ball. I was too. And just a lot of credit to Michigan and to Jim Harbaugh. Uh, They were the better team last night. And that's very painful to say, um, you know, (laughs) since I obviously lean towards Alabama. But they had a better game plan. They had a better mix of offense. And the one thing that was more surprising than anything is the number of times their offense had Alabama's defense just totally out of kilter. Uh, they were scrambling, trying to yell at each other, trying to figure out what they needed to do, who they needed to cover. And I think four or five times out of the five or six times that that occurred, Michigan made a big play. So they were very, very well prepared. They were very physical, as you just mentioned, Lars. And they deserved to win the football game. And, you know, we can go into the detail about the last call. Um, but I think the... One of the most important things in my eyes is the first half when they sacked Jalen Milrow five times. Milrow was confused for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were not in a, you know, Michigan, the way they rushed Milrow, they were not allowing him to take off and run right or left. They kept him in the pocket. The pocket collapsed, and so did Jalen Milrow. And to me, particularly in the first half, that was the big difference. But as Saban just said, they came back in the second half. They made really good adjustments. They took a seven-point lead with four minutes remaining. Um, All things looked pretty rosy for Alabama at the time. But here comes J.J. McCarthy, Corum, and company, and they get it down and and score a touchdown to tie it up. And in overtime, they scored quickly, and, and Alabama didn't. And uh, that's just uh, kind of in a 60-second nutshell how I saw the game. And congratulations to Michigan. I will only say that once. I'm just kidding. Hey, they won. They were the better team. Yeah, and um, they were. I mean, Michigan shot themselves in the foot repeatedly. Uh, it, uh, their special teams play was just horrendous. And they gifted Alabama uh, a lot of field position. They gifted them points. And, um, you know, gosh, there's so many things to discuss here. But the the, the, the fourth – okay, I, first off, Alabama had two offensive drives late in the game where they're up and they could have gone up two scores and they couldn't get the ball – they couldn't get the job done. One was a, a Milrow uh, fumble – uh, you know, he had stumbled and then the Michigan player just, uh, he made a good play. You know, he got, he got his hand on the ball and, uh, and so that stopped one of the drives and then the other drive just didn't work out for Alabama. I had to punt. Uh, by the way, Alabama's punter was a play of the game for the Crimson Tide in my mind. Uh, what a great game he played and that the fact that that, uh, running into the kicker wasn't called was, uh, egregious thought of a few penalties that were incredibly uh, either not called or, or ones that were called in Alabama I didn't I didn't get it um, and then again I'm not saying this from uh, Alabama's perspective I'm really trying to look at it just the third party objective uh, perspective and then the, the the last play of the game the fourth and three so I think it was a great call uh, the, the problem, and, and it was there. It was there. Jalen, in that, in that play, he is supposed to kind of take two steps forward, cut to the left, his left. And if you go back and review the tape, wide open on the left. 
And the thing is, it was a bad snap. Another freaking bad snap. That was an issue all year. It was a huge issue in this game. Uh, bad snaps derailed at least one drive. And, and then also on, on the last, last play of the game, bad snap throws off the timing. I don't, I wouldn't say Jalen panicked, but he just, he didn't, it wasn't able to, cause he had to put his eyes down to get the ball. Then you put your eyes back up and man, you just don't have time to read things. And so it, it was a walk in easy touchdown if he just cuts left, but he just tried to power it in. Can't blame him for that. Um, and you know, it's, it's going to be a play that it's going to haunt Alabama this entire offseason. Yeah. And I think uh, a lot of people, myself included, you as well, uh, are going to look at those bad snaps. Earlier drive, Alabama was pushing Michigan around. And then two consecutive bad snaps. Then they ended up with like a third and 29. And um, that drive was kaput at that point. But And it's tough. Uh, it's tough on Seth, first of all. I mean, one young man that gets the finger point at him. He just sat in his lo- the locker room and went straight to, to the bus when it was all over. I feel for him. But you also, hey... We're critics of the game of football, and that means being critical of Alabama. Why is that still an issue in the 14th game of the season? Hey, we've got Jeff Spiegel from ABC 3340 coming up at the bottom of the hour as you continue to listen to Big Noon Sports, our first show of 2024, brought to you by Haley Sensing Union Home Mortgage. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The sky mostly sunny this afternoon, the high today 52. Tonight, increasingly cloudy with a low at 32. Tomorrow, cloudy and colder, some light rain at times during the day, the high 42. And Thursday, mostly sunny with a high of 51. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 45 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Well, I, I just think that, you know, I don't look at it necessarily from winning and losing. You won the championship, you didn't win the championship. You know, as a coach, you're always trying to get your team to improve and be the best that they can be. And I think this team probably improved from uh, the South Florida game and the Texas game early in the season as much as any team I've ever coached. And that takes a lot of hard work. A lot of people being very committed to doing things that they need to do to self-assess and improve their game. And uh, all these players bought in on this team and did it um, in first-class fashion. So uh, that's why I think, for me as a coach, maybe not for everybody else, it's one of the teams that I'll always remember most and be the most proud of. Yo, Saban has been leaning in that direction, and he he has said that in many different ways throughout the season that uh, this is one of his favorite teams. And I, I think it was evident in his comments there and the growth they've made since the third week of the season to uh, coming up an overtime loss short of going on and playing for the national championship. And we've said that. Lars started saying in the middle of the season that he thought that this was going to be his favorite team. And it turned out. And, you know, what I really like is that the majority of the Alabama fans that I've read on social media, I've heard on other radio stations, and then just in passing and talking, they get that. They understand how far this team has come. And 
they were an eyelash away from playing for the national championship. And just look back at this. Who are the only teams that Alabama lost to in a 12-2 season that included an SEC championship? Well, they lost to number one and number three, Michigan and Texas. One of those is playing, well, yeah, they were all in the championship round of four. So it's quite an accomplished team, even though, Lars, there's a lot of disappointment. And I understand. And here's why there's more disappointment. It's because this team made so much progress. It's because the fans and the coaches alike just kind of took this team on as their own. And I really felt like they loved watching them grow. And they remember that. They're not just going to remember, you know, not uh, getting in the end zone three yards out on a fourth down in overtime. I believe the majority of fans are looking back and going, wow, this team grew. Scott, the, uh, in the equivalent of a child, Lars, which you and I can both identify with, watching them grow and at the end of a year or the end of the segment time of their lives, they have matured and become really an adult if that's uh, even an appropriate analogy. I just think Alabama fans do realize, in spite of the loss to Michigan, this was one of their favorite teams. And, man, they were fun to watch grow. Yeah, and, uh, you know, what makes this one difficult for Alabama fans and obviously even more difficult for the players and the coaches and all of the staff members and just everyone associated with Alabama football, Greg Byrne, who was looking really sharp, by the way. He he, he dressed very well on uh, on on New Year's uh, uh, Day, but um, Alabama's one play away, one play away. Uh, I, I, really, on a couple of occasions, true of, of, of just putting this game away. And now I go back to the fourth and two. Uh, what uh, in the fourth quarter? Uh, just they hit Blake Corm just on a little. You know, uh, route across the middle, wide open, uh, and it was another communication breakdown in the Alabama second secondary. And after that play, Matt, the body language of the Alabama defense just wasn't the same. And and it, it, it's funny you see this in in football and in sports. You know, uh, there are times when, say, a tennis player is down to his or hers last uh, last point, his match point. They hold it off. It goes to deuce, and they end up, end up winning the, that game. And then the momentum shifts. And momentum, I, you and I have talked about this for a long time. I, I swear, I wish you could scientifically quantify momentum. But in this case, when... Michigan got that first down uh, facing the fourth and two in their own territory. It was a huge gamble by Harbaugh. I thought for sure he was going to punt it. They had all three timeouts left, uh, you know, and, and they were doing a good job at that point of controlling Milrow and the Alabama offense. But he rolled the dice. He liked the play call, and bam, he hit, they hit Alabama for a big gain up the up the right uh, sideline. And Alabama's defense was just never the same after that. Um, but in, in, in what Michigan did, one of the many things Michigan did, I should say, is on offense, they were putting guys in motion that they hadn't put in motion all season. And it totally confused the Alabama 
defensive backs. And there were so many times throughout that game where wide receivers, tight ends, running backs, just running with, there's nobody within 20 yards of them. And it, it, and that's all communication. And yeah, it got better in the second half. Uh, actually, no, I'm sorry. It, it really didn't. It, it stayed safe throughout the game. But, um, you know who really impressed me for Michigan? Well, two players. Um, Blake Corum. What a, what a great running back he is. He just dazzled and he got stronger as the game, uh, progressed. He was at X, and, and I've watched Michigan almost every season this week. He was more explosive in the Rose Bowl than he has all, he's been all season. And I think it was somewhat fitting from Michigan's standpoint that he scored the only touchdown in overtime on that 17 yard run. But Matt, in Hell overtime. too, by the way. Hell yeah. Overrun. But in overtime, did you think heading in overtime? I, I thought Alabama still had this thing. I but thought man, they that, were that, going to force Michigan to a field goal attempt and score a touchdown. I did too. I did too. And I thought maybe Michigan would even miss the field goal attempt because their kicker is pretty shaky all day. Um, but the Alabama defense was just cooked at that point. Two plays, just right, you know, just right down the field, and. Man, that's just, that's just tough. Um, you know, there was just Alabama, they just, they like Michigan, played a sloppy game, as we talked about, too many botched snaps, too many busted coverages. Uh, this game certainly was not a masterpiece by either Michigan or Alabama, but as uh, we've both uh, said throughout the first 25 minutes of the show, the better team won. And I don't think the better team won just this one day. Michigan is a better team than Alabama, top to bottom. One of the things that I noted as we go to break, Jeff Spiegel is on hold, is that Jim Harbaugh and his offensive staff used the near month to put in some offense that they hadn't had all year. It had its effect on Alabama and Boy, if you want to do a really deep dive here, think how different this game would have been had Michigan made the extra point after their second touchdown. Or what if Caleb Downs, his 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 foot isn't uh, a quarter of an inch on the on the chalk there, and that first interception on the first play of the game counts, and then Alabama turns that around and goes up seven nothing, and then McCarthy's uh, in his head. Because, I mean, he made a boneheaded throw, boneheaded play on the very first play of the game. And I think that I think that was a big moment, believe it or not. Well, it was for McCarthy to come back, you know, because that it really was a poor pass. But he ended up the game's MVP. Coming up, we will go to Jeff Spiegel. Speaks from ABC 3340 as you listen to the first edition of 2024, the Big Noon Sports. Tune in to... 
Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama Broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. That's Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. This is down to the plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Matt Lars, Big Noon Sports 2024. Joining us is ABC 3340's Jeff Spiegel. Jeff, did you have a good new year? I did. How about you guys? Yeah, I threw yeah. down a little bit, but I was still home before midnight. But, yeah, <laughs> we actually went out for a little while. So, you know, it's funny. Know. Uh, we, you know, we work with a lot of young people, you know, in TV now. <clears throat> and so we have a producer, a young lady, you know, who is in her 20s, like mid-20s, maybe even early 20s. Um, and uh, after the shows yesterday, she was going, man, I'm just, I'm so tired. I'm going, oh, did you stay out late last night? How, how, how late uh, were you out? Uh, four o'clock in the morning. Uh-huh. Wow. <laughs> I can't tell you. The, la- the last time I was out at four o'clock in the morning, oh, it was probably probably trying to do stories for GMA after one of these uh, national championship games. That's probably the last time I've been out until four o'clock in the morning. Well, well, but how many times have you seen four o'clock in the morning when you've actually slept a little bit and then you got to get up for work? <laughs> right, I know. I know, it's crazy. Oh, man. Circle of life, circle of life. Yes. <laughs> All right, Jeff, uh, just your uh, big picture impressions of the game yesterday. Well, wow. I mean, it was like, uh, you know, they were in the Rose Bowl. And, and it, and it was kind of like, it was kind of like going back in time. It was like a throwback game. I mean, you know, you had 13 punts in this game. Um, you know, you, you would expect it to be a tad sloppy, you know, with a long layoff. And I think there were, um, I think there were like eight fumbles or something like that. And it was, um, it was, it was just, it was a game where, where both teams made more than their share of mistakes to lose the football game. But a team rose up, made the plays it needed to make to win the football game, and in this case, it was Michigan. And it was um, it was a really incredible game to watch. Uh, you know, maybe it's because I've been in this business as long as I have, but I don't get too emotionally attached to football games. But last night, I was thinking, I got I got to call the doctor. I mean, I'm starting to have some heart palpitations here. Because it was just, it was crazy exciting, you know, there at the end. And, uh, you know, I thought Alabama was going to win in regulation on that punt. You know, when the guy, like, botched the punt there at his own one-foot line. 
And there were just so many things that happened during that game that just made you go, you know, it was just, it was a, it was just a, you, you would expect a football game to go down to the wire between the two winningest football programs, like in college football history. Uh, and it did. You mentioned the length of time that these two teams had to pre- prepare. And yeah, that made them a little bit sloppy, but. It's tough to say against the Nick Saban coach team, but I thought Harbaugh and his staff made changes and adjustments and play calls vastly different to what Alabama was prepared for. Well, the first half, the offensive line was lost. They were totally lost. They were so confused. Uh, You know, five sacks in the first half. Uh, Michigan dominated the first half. But to Alabama's credit, it was still a three-point game, you know, at halftime. In the second half, I thought it was Tommy Reese who made a lot of the adjustments. Yeah. And, you know, they, they, they moved the pocket. You know, they, uh, they were able to, you know, to get some runs. They were able to, you know, get the end zone. Alabama had the lead in this football game. You know, and, and in most cases, if Alabama's got the lead in the football game with, what, four minutes to go? I mean, you, you're banking on them winning, you know. But in this case, I mean, J.J. McCarthy, who's come up short the last two years, you know, came through with just a big-time drive. And I thought the play of the night was Roman Wilson. I mean, I don't know how tall the dude is, but he jumped like 10 feet in the air, it seemed, you know, to get that pass that was tipped at the line of scrimmage by Deontay Lawson. And he comes yeah. down with it, runs inside the five. I mean, I thought that was I thought that was the play of the game. I mean, the fourth and two, it makes you forget about the fourth and two they converted. Yeah. Uh, that play was so big in my mind. Um, yeah, the play you just described, I thought Malachi Moore was pick sixing it and game over. And, um, <laughs> it really is a game of inches. I mean, just inches. And, um, yeah, it was a, a Michigan athlete made a great play. Were you surprised, Jeff, that, uh, Michigan really at the, at the line of scrimmage, I would say Michigan wins it on offense and ultimately they won it on defense on both sides. And I absolutely did not think that that was going to happen. Well, you look at a quote from one of the Michigan guys and he goes, you know, for a month, you know, we've been hearing Bama's, Bama's big, Bama's fast, Bama's this, Bama's that, you know, and, um, and they were tired of it. You know, they were just tired of it. You know, the, the, the Big Ten, for whatever reason, and Michigan, for whatever reason, I mean, came in feeling a little disrespected. Then you think, well, that's silly. They're the number one team in the in the, in the playoff rankings. Well, why would they feel that way? Well, they felt that way because maybe because of, you know, because of their coach who had been suspended for six games during the regular season and, and because people didn't respect the schedule they played and, uh, and people – you know, just automatically assume that, hey, best in the SEC is going to beat the best in the Big Ten 10 times out of 10. Uh, well, in this case, you know, it didn't happen. And I think Michigan, you know, played that disrespect card. And but more importantly than that, they just played their tails off and, and outplayed Alabama. What did you think of J.J. McCarthy? Man. That last drive, I mean, you know, they got the ball and, and it, it started out a little, a little shaky, I think. I thought, I don't know if this dude's got it in him. You know, and I saw interviews with him earlier in the week 
and uh, and I've seen interviews with him throughout the year, and he seems like a really cool kid, you know, and he's really confident. And uh, and the guy's what twenty five and one as a starter, I think, or twenty six and one now, something like that. So the guys just uh, you know put up impressive you know one loss numbers. But I just go, boy, I, I don't know. I don't know if this guy's you know got this in him to pull off you know this game winning drive. But you know they converted the fourth down. But like I said, that play to Wilson, and then the play down there at the four, where they just uh, you know just just fooled Alabama and threw it to Wilson, and he just kind of jogged in. Um, it was just a it was one of those drive for the ages. You know, if you're a Michigan fan, this is a breakthrough win. You know, for the Michigan Wolverines. Yeah, it it really is. It really is because they've been knocking on the door. Now for uh, this is their third year in a row in the college football playoffs after losing the first two. Um, Jeff, just wanted to ask you about Alabama's offensive line. Uh, Alabama uh, gave up six sacks, which for Michigan was a season high. I don't know if you can pin all of those on the Alabama offensive line. Felt to me that they kind of settled in as the game went. Uh, can you discuss the offensive line and also Matt Coulter and among many, many people, but Matt Coulter on this program for almost what, Matt, uh, four months, he has been begging to see Justice Haynes. And <laughs> where's he been all year? Where's he been all year? Is this like a Tua situation? You just bring him in in the bowl game? Four uh, carries, 31 yards, and he was bullish. Yeah, yeah. And there's one other game I think he played in where he was where he was pretty good too. I can't remember what game that was, but yeah, the kid's got a lot of ability. I mean, I, I don't I don't know if it's one of those cases where you know you know what there's only one ball, you know, and and I, guys just that that you know you look through and you try to cycle guys in and and all that. And look, Jan Miller's pretty good too. He's pretty good too. Yeah. They've got a pretty good running back room there and. And it was great to see Jason McClellan, I mean, playing well and back to 100%. And and I, and I thought he ran hard. I thought he played great. You know, in terms of the offensive line, you know, like I said, the first half, they just looked, they looked overwhelmed. I mean, um, I don't know. They looked, um, I don't want to say they, they were surprised, you know, because, because if you look at enough tape, you know, Michigan's defensive front, you know, is, a defense is, is pretty good, you know, so I don't think they were surprised. I think it was, um, you know, like Saban said in the post game, it, you know, it was, it was a, just a combination of things, you know, and, and, you know, you can look at particular players and you could say, well, well, that guy missed a block or that guy missed a block. And it's just the Michigan defense just was able to, to get back there. And I don't think Milro just had any time. And, but, but, but like I said, they made adjustments with that and they only give up one sack in the second half. After the abysmal performance in the in the first half, you know I thought it was a credit you know to the adjustments that Alabama made, but um, I don't know you know we're it, it it's all you know I hate to I hate to say goat in a game like this, but anytime anytime a team loses, people are going to look to certain plays or certain players, be it fair or unfair, and. Um, and you know, pen losses on them. Uh, but Seth McLaughlin has had issues with snaps all year long. And, um, and I don't, you know, and I don't know why. I don't, I don't, I don't know why it wasn't fixed. 
you know, before now, but, but the whole game, I mean, uh, Jalen's back there like a, you know, like a shortstop. I mean, just fielding snaps in all different directions. And he's been doing that Not all year long. Last play of the game. Excuse me for interrupting. Well, yeah, yeah. It disrupted well, no, 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 that no, play. Exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. It was a low snap, but even if it was a good snap, I don't think that play would have worked because Michigan had it, you know, had it all covered up. But, uh, but you're right. It was a low snap. So, but the second half, he had a couple of really just horrible snaps. And that's been an issue all year long at Alabama. Yeah, that two in a row when Alabama was pushing Michigan back was uh, yep. was difficult to swallow, to say the very least. I have another Absolutely. question concerning that last play of the game in overtime, and we'll get to that and a lot more. Jeff Spiegel from ABC 3340 is our guest, and we'll continue with the first edition of Big Noon Sports in 2024, brought to you by Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker. Coming up on The Game with Ryan Fowler. All right, we're going to continue our coverage on Tuesday afternoon. We're going to recap Alabama, Michigan. It'll all be presented by Taco Casa, Chicken Salad Chick, Blue Spring Living Water, DanielMoreArt.com, Remax of Gulf Shores with Chuck Norwood, Good Works Fabrication, all starting at 2 o'clock here on The Game on Tide 100.9-1230. WTBC, your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. The longest-running sports program in Tuscaloosa. The game with Ryan Fowler. Weekdays from 2 to 6 p.m. on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Under the Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. The sky mostly sunny this afternoon. The high today, 52. Tonight, increasingly cloudy with a low at 32. Tomorrow, cloudy and colder. Some light rain at times during the day. The high, 42. And Thursday. Day, mostly sunny with a high of 51. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 46 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Our guest is Jeff Spiegel from ABC 3340. Matt Lars, the gang with you. Jeff, you mentioned how well Jace McClellan played, and we know he's been banged up towards the end of the year. It was really, really good to say. And I asked this question not knowing the answer because he was in on the very last play of the game. Roydale Williams had one carry for minus one yards. Was was he banged up? Well, I don't think so. He was in there the last play of the game. You're not going to play somebody that's injured. So you got any idea on where number five was? Wow. That's a really good question, Matt. I have no idea. I don't know. I mean, it, um, you know, in the course of a game, 
And in and, and the course of the flow of the game, well, what do they say? I mean, you know, you, you play the guy who's got the hot hand, right? And um, and McClellan, McClellan had, McClellan had the hot hand. McClellan was the one who was, you know, producing. And um, and, and I don't know, I don't know how that rotation works. You know, when when they're trying to figure that stuff out. Um, but you know, it's just Roy Rodell had a terrific season, and I think yeah. all those. I think all those running backs did, but uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's a mystery. That's one of those things, you know, when you're watching the game, and then you look back in the final stats and you go, "Really? Yep. That's that, that he he didn't he did he only played he only got one snap." But I, I mean, I didn't even think about that during the course of the game, actually. Well, it did seem, you know, it, occasionally it seems like Reese and Saban or whatever kind of want to go with the back that they feel best suits the defense they're trying to progress against. But they put sure. Haynes in. Haynes had a carry before Miller. So uh, yeah. somebody yeah. must have had a feel for who's going to best rush against Michigan. So that's, yeah, sure. I guess that's my weak take on it. Jeff, yeah. do you think um, Nick Saban got out coached by Jim Harbaugh? Ooh. I don't. I don't know if he got out coached. I think. Um, I think his team just got outplayed. I mean, uh, and, and look, these, these are say what you want to about Jim Harbaugh, but uh, but but these these are two of the best coaches in the business right now. That's why their teams are where they are, and that's why Harbaugh has been knocking on the door the last two years is because you know he's really good. I don't know where we get this notion. That Jim Harbaugh had like underachieved, you know, at Michigan. The guys won three Big Ten championships in a row, and uh, you know, been to the playoff semifinals the last two years in a row. And um, you know, in a, in all likelihood, I think we'll be coaching his last game, you know, at Michigan next Monday before he goes off to the NFL. I think he's been yeah, incredible at Michigan, and um, yeah. So I, I I I don't know. I just think. I think his guys, sometimes their dudes outplay your dudes. And it's not so much you're getting out coached. It's just their dudes made more plays than yours did. Do you think that uh, you also think he'll be with the Chargers next year, win or lose? A week from Gosh, now? I don't know. That's what it sounds like. I mean, uh, one of the Michigan guys said something interesting that it kind of eats at Jim a little bit. That, uh, you know, John, John has a, has a Super Bowl, you know, ring and looks like he may be, you know, back or whatever. And, um, and, you know, it just, it's kind of, he, he'd like, he's got that itch. I think he'd like to get back in there and, uh, and do that. And so, yeah, I mean, I think, I think Monday, win or lose, I think he's, uh, he's off to the NFL. And, uh, Jeff, when you just look back at the, uh, totality of the Alabama season, is there one moment that sticks out to you? Uh, it, it, whether it could be something you just saw or an interaction you had with a player, a fan, just, uh, you know, when, when we are covering Alabama the way uh, I used to and the way you're still doing it, you, you, there's just so many different uh relationships you form interactions and also you you're watching every single play very closely anything stick out well uh, my thing my thinking is this would this team have gone 12 and 2 would they have gone to the college football playoff 
without a South Florida game? Um, my, my answer to that would be no. And, uh, and Jalen Milrow got benched for that game. And uh, the way he responded to that benching was the turning point, you know, one of the turning points in this season. You know, the fact that, you know, he took that like a man and he understood, you know, what that was all about, how he responded to that, how he led this team, how hard he played, um, all the things, all the things that he said, you know, what to me, one of the, one of the sound bites I'll never forget about this season is when he said Bill O'Brien told him he shouldn't play quarterback. I mean, that, that was one of those drop the mic moments and drop the jaw moments. If you're listening to it and you're thinking, really? That's why Bill O'Brien's not the offensive coordinator anymore. You know, I mean, and then the fourth and 31. I mean, that's the signature play, you know, in this football season because, you know, Alabama's not in the Rose Bowl. If, if they don't convert an amazingly difficult, you know, improbable, you know, play like that. Not a Hail Mary, but the Gravedigger play will go down in history as one of the greatest plays like yeah, you, you know what, football I, history. Matt, let me ask you. Uh, okay, Jeff. I actually have two questions, one for Jeff and one for Matt. Jeff, uh, did you get a sense of people you talked to, what the composition of the crowd was? I thought for sure it was going to be pro-Michigan, but just based on what I saw, it looked like there was more Alabama fans there. Well, I heard Fowler and Herb Street, you know, reference this before the game, before kickoff, and they mentioned uh, 60-40, like it was 60 Michigan, 40 Alabama. Um I'm not really sure. I couldn't, I couldn't really get a, a, a clear read on it, you know, what watching here on TV. But you think more Bama fans? Yeah, well, that was just my, you know, yeah. uh, observation from Washington television. It was at least 50 50. They travel. Yeah. They travel, yeah. man. They really you yeah. know this. Yeah. Um, and, and Matt, for you, does fourth and 31, would you, what's the right way to ask this? Does fourth and thirty-one kind of make up for the fact that Alabama lost today or yesterday? Uh, uh, you know, in some ways, I think it does, but I think beating Georgia even more so because Georgia was just so much better than Auburn, and they expected that to be a backyard fistfight, and it was, and 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 Alabama won. And by the way, guess who was number one at the time? Georgia. I think yep. the combinations of of that, and then what Jeff referenced from game three moving on just kind of showed you the entire makeup of this football team. And as I said at the very beginning of the show, and, and, and I'm very pleased to see the majority of Alabama fans are recognizing that first and last night's loss second. Yep, absolutely. I totally agree with that. And I think, you know, the things that you mentioned there and all the things that happened with this football team and the resilience that they showed is why Saban says, you know, he, he loves he loves this team. And he just, he loved coaching these guys. And I think it's also another reason why, you know, you're going to hear all the retirement rumors. There are going to be a bunch of them circulating out there. But I don't think this guy's done. I mean, I think he had so much fun coaching these guys. And a lot of these guys are going to be coming back next year. And the, uh, you know, there's a strong nucleus coming back. And, and I think he's, he can't wait to coach these guys again next year. 
I agree. And I think a really strong freshman class. I think the wide receiver position is going to be upgraded. I think they figured out who their number one back is going to be. And that's number 22. He's special as, as Matt has said all year long. And also now you go through an off season where Jalen knows he's the guy. It's unquestioned. They're not going to bring in a, a transfer. Uh, there's not going to be, uh, yeah, Julian Sain is coming in. And by the way, I'm just uh, continue to hear nothing but amazing things about Sain and how he was slinging the ball around the field on running scout team. I think there's a lot to look forward to if you're Nick Saban. Oh, I don't think there's any question about it. I think you still got plenty of gas left in the tank. I think he, uh, I think he loves to recruit. I think he loves to coach. I think he loves the grind. You know, he, he mentions the grind a lot, you know, when he talks at these press conferences about embracing that. And, um, and I think he still, I think he still loves what he does. I don't know how many years he's going to coach. I'm not even going to take a guess at that, but I know he's not anywhere close to being done yet. No, I think he's got a nat, not, he has another natty in him, Jeff. No doubt. And no it doubt. Be 2024. All right. Yep. You're a national championship guy, and you're all right. I'm glad you're having a good new year. Tell us uh, what's going to be going on this week as far as 3340 is concerned, and give us a plug for the zone. Well, we'll certainly have a lot to talk about Sunday. We'll be back after a two-week hiatus on the zone uh, Sunday night at 1030 on ABC 3340. And really appreciate you guys, and uh, hope you have a great new year. We will. Thank you for your time. Thank Thank you, you, Jeff. Appreciate it. All right. Always a good conversation with Jeff Spiegel from ABC 3340. You're listening to Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. We go to the top of the hour and we'll go into the second half on this first show day of 2024. Laura Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at lee at thebamabroker.com. That's lee at thebamabroker.com. ABC. Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. 
Here's Nick Cope. With much speculation last year around this time that Rams coach Sean McVay might step away from his job, McVay confirmed on his weekly coaches show that he will return to coach the team for the 2024 season. McVay saying, quote, that I can promise you, end quote. NFL media reports the Cowboys are working out veteran offensive tackle Lael Collins today. College football national championship game now set next Monday in Houston. A pair of 14-0 teams, number one Michigan and number two Washington. The Wolverines coming back from down seven in the fourth quarter to beat Alabama in overtime at the Rose Bowl, 27-20. And then in the nightcap at the Sugar Bowl, the Huskies hold on against number three Texas, 37-31. Finally in tennis, 37-year-old Rafa Nadal won his first competitive singles match in nearly 12 months down in Brisbane, Australia. He's prepping to play in the Australian Open later this month. More Big Noon Sports coming up. Uh, we called three plays. Um, one they called timeout. One we called timeout. And the last one that didn't work. So the fact that it didn't work made it a really bad call. You know what I mean? So um, we called timeout because we had a bad look. We had a good look on the first one. Uh, they must have known it. Um, but Tommy just felt like the best thing that we could do um, was have a quarterback run, uh, which was kind of our two-point play, one of our two-point plays for this game. And the ball was on the three-yard line, which is just like a two-point play. So... But we didn't get it blocked, so it didn't work. We didn't execute it very well, and it didn't work. And they pressured, and we thought they would pressure, uh, but we thought we could gap them and block, block them and make it work, and it didn't. And according to many of the postgame comments from Michigan, they said they they pretty much knew that was coming, and uh, it was evident. And, you know, that play could have gone 100 different ways. Actually, it could have gone two ways touchdown or not but uh i would have tried to get him wide because not only is jalen milroe powerful but he's also the fastest guy on the field but it seemed and it seemed to me like running to the corners would have uh, put his other best option into play instead of trying to power it up the middle so that was a uh, one question i had about the last play and the the other one is is 55 for michigan had been pretty dominant at nose and you run the ball right at their best player you know i don't know lars your thoughts you said you were okay you thought it was a good call yeah um here's the deal uh to michigan look at it from michigan's perspective there's not a lot of mystery of what alabama is going to (laughs) do they are going to put the ball in jalen's hands and because of the struggles he's had with these uh, five to ten yard passes, you got to figure they're not even going to throw the ball. This is going to be Jalen and um, all Jalen. And so what did the Wolverines do? They loaded the box and ran a cover zero defense. Cover zero means uh, your corners are man to man. So you, you just push the safeties up. And, uh, you know, uh, Michigan linebacker Junior Colson said after the game, when the moments get tough, you go to your best player. And I mean, I, so I, I have no problem with the call. 
Um, and another Michigan player said, we weren't wor- worried about nobody but number four on that fourth down. That's the only person they've got. That's not actually a horrible assessment in, in that situation. But Weren't that, you that, thinking the same thing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was thinking quarterback draw. Um, I mean, and if I'm thinking that, you know, sitting a million miles away, I mean, of course, the, the Michigan knows it's coming. But, okay, so the snap is low, and that just throws off the entire timing of the play. And, you know, it's, it's just a very, it's a very simple play call. And, uh, and also got to remember this. There were not one, but there are two timeouts called one by each team before this play was run. And so Alabama had plenty of time to figure out, okay, what is our one best play that we've been working on for a month? That is a two-point conversion because essentially this was a two-point conversion. And uh, Nick Saban said in his press conference, he's just like, hey, I, I thought the best thing we'd do is have a quarterback run. And he said that they had their best two-point uh, uh, best two two point plays for the game. Uh, they had two picked out. And this was, uh, I think, number one. And he said, we just didn't get it blocked. It didn't execute very well and it didn't work out. But again, I, I'm, I'm telling you, if you go and you look at the tape, Milrow, he is in this play, he is supposed to start in the middle and cut left. And the Alabama, uh, right guard, he pulls. And he absolutely obliterates the Michigan defensive end or puts him out of the way because this D end, the, 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 for Michigan's perspective, it's the right D end from Alabama's perspective is the guy on their left. He runs up field. So he doesn't even to be blocked. And so then that guard crashes down, seals off the edge. Well, it, 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 when he seals it, right. And he's pushing the guy to Alabama's right. He's actually pushing the player into where Jalen is running. But Jalen was not supposed to do that. He's supposed to take about two steps forward, cut left. And it is wide open, wide open. Now, the reason he couldn't do that is because perhaps the bad snap. snap. The snap. Because it's all a timing play. And the snap, you know, Again, the snap is low, and it's so low that Jalen, go look at the tape. He's got to put his head down. And once you put your head down, you got to lift it back up. And things are happening so fast, once your eyes leave, it's like, okay, I I don't have time. I don't know if I can cut out or not because your peripheral vision, clearly, it's gone when you have to look down. And so uh, Jalen... I'm telling you, Jalen makes this play a hundred out of a hundred times if that snap isn't low. It's a touchdown. It's an easy touchdown. Man, it's just, you know, one of those little things, little, little, little things that, uh, separate winning from losing. And it's, it's just incredibly frustrating. I know for Alabama fans, but you know what? This has been a problem all year. And it's been my experience in covering so many bowl games that um, your problems that you've had throughout the year often come up 
to really bite you in a bowl game. And it did here to Alabama in absolutely the most critical moment of the season. That's my interpretation. Okay, so what's yours on this, Matt? Well, and while they didn't uh, have the massive penalties that they suffered through several games this year, the the three I think they had that were false starts just always seemed to fall to most critical times in the football game. For uh, his statistics, Melrose was 16 of 23 in the air, 116. That may be a season low for him. He had 21 carries to 63 yards. Um, the 21 carries led Alabama all running backs and quarterbacks. So um, he played okay. It wasn't his best game by any stretch of the imagination. He did what he could. But I think uh, I would have to say Michigan caused the majority of the mistakes that Alabama made on offense because they just gave them different looks. And by, by the way, talk about different looks and adjustments and all that kind of stuff. Michigan is just really good, y'all. Both offensive fronts and defensive fronts. I think their receivers were a little bit better than I thought coming in because uh, – and they had some drop balls too now. Critical. But uh, for the most part, they caught what McCarthy threw in their direction. And, and that was huge because we discussed it the weeks leading up to this game. We thought that Alabama had a huge edge from corners to wide receivers. That really didn't pan out as well. But um, anyway, I do want to say that <laughs> had Alabama ended up winning this game, is there a possibility that James Burnup would have been the most valuable player, Lars? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it probably would have been Milrow. Uh, yeah. He scores that touchdown, and then Alabama wins it in a second overtime. Uh, really, kind of no other player sticks out to me. Um, but, Matt, were you surprised that that Michigan offensive line who's down their best player, which their their center, who uh, tore, a, a, I think, a ACL in the game against Ohio State. Um, they're down their best player, but they come out, and they were able to push around Alabama. They just were. They were, particularly in the first half. Second half was different. Um, Alabama late, but late, late when it mattered, they could late do it. When in, under four minutes, they took back over again. So... It was, Do you think, was that a, a function of Alabama being gassed on defense? I don't know, but they looked gassed in that last four minutes. Yeah, they did. If that's what you're asking. They yep. did. Um, I I think Alabama wanted to try and get this thing over. Um, of course, they had to score a touchdown. But, yeah, I think Alabama – I haven't looked at time of possession. Have you? I can do that during this break. But um, it seemed to me like Michigan had it a lot. And how about uh, the play of J.J. McCarthy? Wow, I was so impressed with him, uh, especially coming back after the, the first throw, which was terrible, could have been catastrophic. I think if, if, if Caleb Downs' foot isn't a, a millimeter uh, on the chalk, he gets the interception. The whole dynamic of the game could change. And I know it's really weird to say, you know, uh, the game is uh, still uh, – there's 59 minutes and – 50 seconds to play but gosh you set him up there and then it just kills the kid's confidence because he had made mistakes in uh national final uh national uh semifinal games before but he came back and rallied and and i thought he just played exceptional just a, a really smart quarterback uh and some of those throws he made matt 
were just unbelievable. He had way more arm strength than I anticipated. Yeah, and he he threw it, you know, threw a needle and at the most crucial points in a football game. Kerry Clark with Tide 100.9 and Town Square Media Sports Director is going to join us on the other side of this break as you continue to listen to Big Noon Sports brought to you by Haley Sensing Union Home Mortgage. Tune in to Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The sky mostly sunny this afternoon. The high today, 52. Tonight, increasingly cloudy with a low at 32. Tomorrow, cloudy and colder. Some light rain at times during the day. The high, 42. And Thursday. Day, mostly sunny with a high of 51. I'm James Spam in the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 49 degrees in Tuscaloosa. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. One particular thing, um, there was a couple times when we could have redirected the protection, uh, which we kind of put on the O-line uh, to a large degree, and we didn't do it. A couple times the shot clock was running down and we didn't get a chance to do it. And a couple times we didn't fan and mis-executed up front in terms of getting the right guys blocked when we were in the right protection. So it was a combination of several things. I thought we did a better job in the second half, um, but you know we didn't give Jaden an opportunity to make some plays, nor our receivers make some plays down the field, which was a big part of this game. Great stuff from Nick Saban, and I have to just pause for a moment to <laughs> point out the fact he called it a shot clock, not a play call. Okay, maybe now is not the best time for humor. Trying to find it where I can. Carrie Clark, sports director there at uh, Town Square Media in Tuscaloosa, is joining us. Uh, in reference to what he was just talking about, uh, how did Alabama change things uh, along their offensive line from first half to second half? First of all, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. Uh, how they changed things, they started blocking people. Uh, they weren't in the first half. Uh, <laughs> five sacks in one half is awful. One, sa- one sack in the second half was not great, but not like the first half. Uh, and, and it wasn't all the offensive line, but most of it was. Uh, they were getting blown up. Uh, both lines of scrimmage were getting blown up uh, in the first half. But in the second half, they both improved until, as you said in the previous segment, the very end of the game and the overtime. But uh, neither of them did much in those those parts of the game. But uh, it was a great college football game. It's like I told my wife in the living room, you know, it's it's a shame that somebody has to lose this game. And but the nature of sports is there's winners and losers. And unfortunately for those in Bama Nation, 
it was Bama's time to lose a game. It was Saban's time to lose to Harbaugh, which I honestly didn't think I would ever live to see. But I did live to see it. And uh, it's over now. And it's on to the national championship. And, uh, wow, you know, <laughs> the committee picked Michigan 1 and Washington 2. And dang, if that's not the championship game. I sure didn't think it would be, guys. Kerry, uh, what surprised you most about this game? What aspect, specifically looking on the Alabama side, what surprised you most? The way they got out-schemed. Uh, I don't know if I'd use the term out-coached, but I certainly would use the term out-schemed, uh, which is part of coaching. So, hey, maybe I just uh, need to change what I said. But I, I just feel like that Michigan was better prepared and better uh, ready to do what it needed to do against what Alabama was trying to do to stop it or to advance the ball against it. Michigan was just ready. I knew they had a good defense. I knew they had a solid quarterback and a solid running back. I knew those things. But somehow in my mind, I thought this special Alabama team is, is going to be able to overcome those things and advance to the national championship and get a revenge match against Texas. But, uh, wow, you talk about not so fast, my friend. Wow. <laughs> not so fast, my friend. Melrose obviously did not have a, a banner game, um, but there were factors. We've talked about it, offensive line, and um, Michigan was throwing some confusion um, at, at Alabama as well. But um, were there other reasons why did did Milrow lack a little confidence here, particularly after the first half? I think he got a little bit rattled. I do. Uh, five sacks will do that. Yeah. And poor snaps will do that, which I still have no explanation for that. I know early in the year that, that McLaughlin was trying to play with, a, with an injured wrist and it was affecting the snaps. And it seemed like the problem had been solved for the most part, although there were still some low ones. But the combination of the poor snaps and DeMilro not looking when the ball was snapped is, is uh, it's, it's just a head scratcher for all of us that cover the team or watch the team or follow the team or pull for the team. Or it's just, I, I, I don't know how that's still happening in game 14, Matt and, and Lars. I, I don't. I, I have no explanation. I don't think it's the injury anymore. At some point, you have to think it's, it's the yips. Yeah, uh, it kind of is. And, you know, as you kind of look at the snapper for the mistakes there, um, I felt like Milrow wasn't focused for a few either, right? Is that what you're saying? Yes, exactly. At least one or two, he was not ready for the snap when it came. And I know you're reading the defense and calling uh, audibles and things like that, but somewhere in the corner of your eye, you got to be watching that ball, bruh. Because uh, <laughs> there's always a chance it's going to come before you're ready for it. And yeah, they talk about how they worked on it all season and stayed after practice and all that. And every time that it appeared they had it fixed, it would resurface. And McLaughlin has a COVID year next year if he wants to take it. But if I'm him, I'm thinking it's time to get out in the business world and put this uh, this honors degree that I have to work. Uh, brilliant student, excellent kid. I uh, just don't think he's the answer for the 2024 offense. You know, if you look at that final play, and Matt and I have been talking this for talking about this for a while, um, it should have been a touchdown. 
easy like walk-in touchdown for Jalen Milrow because if he doesn't have to put his eyes down to grab that ball, uh, the, the idea for this play is you start in the middle and you cut to the left from uh, from Alabama's perspective, from Jalen's perspective, and you see uh, the Alabama uh, right guard pulls over. Uh, he's not not running a trap, but um, Alabama gets exactly what they want because the that uh, that left defensive end. Again, you're running left. That left defensive end, he runs up the field. So he doesn't have to be blocked. And so, I mean, it is an easy walk-in walk touchdown. But I this is I obviously haven't talked to Jalen about this, but the fact that he had to put his eyes down, it just made everything discombobulated. And I think he was just like, hey, I don't have time to look to the left. I'm just going to try to use my force and my power and just bulldoze my way through these three yards didn't work out is that i I don't know if you've had a time to go back and really analyze it but is this kind of what you saw for this final play i was not aware of the part about him trying to go left uh i was kind of sucked into thinking that it was just a quarterback draw uh or the shotgun version of a sneak we had a caller last night uh, on our postgame show that was just adamant about the fact that, hey, if the center is struggling like that, why don't you just get up under center and run the offense that way? And I, I couldn't give him a good answer. Uh, but as far as your question on that play, I actually was not aware that it was meant to go left. Although, I will say, I noticed that Roydell Williams sprinted to the left to try to draw some people with him. So yeah. I see what I get what you're saying. It makes complete sense. Now, I, I'm now only basing this. I'm only basing this on the behavior of the offensive line. Like that, it just seems like that's exactly where everything was supposed to go, and it was wide open. Okay, uh, separate question. Okay, now moving on to the 12 team playoff. Would you like to see? the Rose Bowl be the permanent home for the national championship game just based on everything that the Rose Bowl is and what a beautiful setting and I know uh, that the amenities there aren't great the bathrooms the 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 concessions but man for a viewer on television it just doesn't get any better I wouldn't mind that as long as I wasn't having to cover it <laughs> uh, I heard the stories about the hour and 15 minute shuttle ride from the media hotel to the stadium. I'm just not about that. Uh, uh give us more detail there. Well, I mean, the media hotel, the media hotel is in downtown LA and the stadium is in Pasadena and you got LA traffic and it took the guys an hour and 15 minutes to get from the hotel to the stadium on the, the media shuttle bus. Uh, I'm just, I'll be like, no, I'll stay home. I can write just as well at the TV as I can in person. I, I was thankful that I didn't go out there. Very thankful. Uh, after hearing well, Lars, Lars was telling us about the, uh, I, I guess, uh, the difficulty um, it takes. Or, or somebody was telling us about, from the fans' perspective, at the Rose Bowl, you had to literally leave the stadium to go to the I think concession those, stand. I think that was Laura Lee. Mention yeah. that <laughs> she had been there, right? And well, yeah, I was there, man. To go to the bathroom. I, I was there in 2000 when they lost to UCLA to open the season. 
That was the only time I've ever set foot in the Rose Bowl Stadium. And I, I, I just remember it being, I'll, certainly the tradition is there. It, it's steeped in tradition. And you see the sign saying Rose Bowl, and you're like, wow, this is really cool. But once you get in there, it's not any kind of great stadium or anything. Uh, as far as the specifics that Laura Lee brought up, um, my, my mind doesn't go back 23 years to remember a whole lot of that. But I remember once I got in there and got settled, I was like, okay, this is a cool view of the mountains out here. And there's been a lot of great football games played in this stadium. But I guess I guess my theory on it now has been there, done that, don't care if I ever go back. I, I, I do not, I didn't even buy the T-shirt. There were quite a few members of the media that took pictures and oh gosh, I know the sunset that was just and I've I've looked at them. They're brilliant. I mean, oh, they, they you are. not enjoy that. Yeah, but a lot of those guys had never been out there before. Yeah, if it's your first time, sure. Yeah, but, but as far as the question about it, it, what I have a problem with that being the permanent home of the national championship. I wouldn't have a problem with it because we got plenty of young guys in this station, uh, one of which is sitting across the glass from me right now, Mr. Wyatt Fulton, that love to go on those kind of trips and all that. And uh, Ryan Fowler uh, is always dependable to go out there. So, you know, if I can sit back and supervise and just uh, publish their articles and all that, I'm down with it. Let, let, them, let them have it that way. I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> I'll just watch it on the big screen in my own living room. But, yeah, if they want to put it there for tradition purposes and let that be the national championship, uh, I wouldn't have a problem with it at all. I've been in person to, I think, four or five national championships already for Alabama between New Orleans and Miami. Uh, so I, I, I'd be fine with that, Lars. No problem. I think it's, it's, I think it's a pretty neat idea, really, from the general perspective of fandom. You know, uh, one last question before we go to break. With uh, 6.35 left in the second quarter, I noticed something on the Michigan sideline. I went back, I froze it, and I took a picture of it, put it out on social media, and it got a lot of traction. And that was, uh, there's a Michigan staffer, a guy who looks to be like a Michigan staffer, holding up a cell phone above his head, taking pictures or video. Now, is it possible? <laughs> okay, for, I guess my question is, can staffers have cell phones on the sideline? To my knowledge, yes. Yep. And they can use the cell phones. They're well, not supposed they to use them against the other team. During the game? They're not supposed not a... to use them against the other team. I think they're supposed to be used like for family emergencies and things like that. But I've never heard of a rule where they, they can't have them on their person. I have heard that about players, but I never heard it about a staffer. Good, I'll look interesting point there, Lars. Yeah, that's a great point. I didn't that. even know that. Yeah. That's wonderful. I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, glad you're with us, Gary Clark, as we continue with Big Noon Sports, presented by, hey, it's Laura Lee Thompson. Man, does she contribute to our show. The Bama Broker. DC Sports, like Good Zoo on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. It is indeed Big Noon Sports 2024. Kerry Clark is our guest. It's Matt and Lars. Lars did some deep diving during the break concerning cell phone use on a, on the sideline. 
Yeah, so um, the NCAA in 2016 uh, said that uh, you can have electronic devices to be used by coaches in the press box and the locker room, but cell phones still cannot be used on the sidelines in the quote-unquote team area or on the field. And so, again, I'm not, like, breaking any news here. This is on national television. I did a a screenshot of it because I noticed it. It was after uh, Michigan's number two, Coram, he comes to the sideline, and he is sort of in the middle of uh, where all of uh, the Michigan players are, and there's a guy behind him uh, adorned in uh, a blue top, and that you can't tell if he is a, a Michigan staffer or not, but he's taking the cell phone out. And so here's the thing. Like, I, I doubt anything nefarious is going on here, but just the look is horrible for a team that has been accused and has tacitly admitted to cheating by stealing signs. I mean, look, I, I think... Ultimately, if Michigan wins a national championship, we're going to have a little asterisk by this because more and more is going to come out about how they uh, absolutely skirted the rules earlier in the season. Not saying they did it in this game, but it's pretty clear that uh, that that Michigan uh, went above and beyond what is fair. Carrie, what, what what do you think? What, uh, does this does this subject of Michigan sign stealing interest you at all, or should we just sort of let it go? It interests me to the point that I agree with your asterisk statement. Uh, it, it's the same asterisk that went by Auburn's 2010 championship because of the controversy surrounding the recruitment of Cam Newton. Uh, an asterisk is an asterisk, and there will be an asterisk by this championship if they win the game. And I think most of the free world that doesn't live in the state of Michigan go. is going to be pulling against them Monday yeah, night. Go, go Huskies. Go Washington. I think that's what the world's going to be saying, Lars. <laughs> that's the national I know that, I know that Clark Manor in Tuscaloosa, Alabama will be saying that. <laughs> I can confirm that. Wow. And by uh, the way, Lars. we got a little breaking news, Matt and Lars. Uh, okay. Dis- despite my supposition five minutes ago, uh, Seth McLaughlin has gone on Twitter and announced that he is coming back next year. So uh, I've got to go back and redo an article that I published an hour ago. (laughs) uh, Or I did a a depth chart projection. Uh, I've got to change the line in it. That's the wonderful uh, job of of editing your own articles. Uh, So, you know, as soon as we get off at the top of the hour, I will go downstairs and fix that article and name him the starting center next year. I honestly had heard he was thinking about not coming back. But I think there's a bad taste in his mouth. And I think him and uh, Jalen Milrow are going to work the entire offseason on the snap and get it right. So uh, there you go. Breaking news. Seth McLaughlin will return and is expected to start at center next year for Alabama. Something This fall, rather. We're in 24 now. Next season. So, Lars, really good catch. I pulled up the picture that you posted on Twitter. And there's no doubt that there is someone standing very close to the sideline that has their phone elevated to like above their head or eye level and, and taking a picture or video of some kind. So. Well, I'd like to think I mean, he's and not and a like, staffer. It, it, 
Isn't it possible that there's Bluetooth and that that phone just goes straight up to the press box? More than possible. <laughs> I mean, I, likely, I, 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 maybe. the it thing is, is like, it, let's just say he's not a staffer, but he's a friend of the program, a big booster, whatever. Don't you think he would have been told, hey, one rule. No cell phones out during the game. If they cared. <laughs> God. You know what, Lars? He could be just a fanboy that got a credential. You know what yeah. happens. No, but, I mean, this is during the game, but you know, but never been during the Rose Bowl. Think it's <laughs> during the game. Uh, no if you question. got a credential, you can't be on the field unless you're a TV guy. Yeah. Well, and if you are able to be on the field, you're going to be past the 30s. You're, supposed You're not going to gonna be. be that close. You're supposed yeah, to be. I mean, yeah. Yeah. But the Michigan uh, sideline enforcement people may not have been watching. Or the Rose Bowl yeah. sideline enforcement And also, I, I will say, too, there are more people on both sidelines than I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like, why, 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 are, why are there 300 extraneous people uh, on the field during the game? Well, they first of all, they dress a lot of players. And I think it's time that the NCAA or whomever can make a decision like this and enforce it moves the players and coaches back. When you're watching the games on TV, perfect example, first play of the game, Caleb Downs. You couldn't see his feet. You couldn't, I mean, and it wasn't even close. And then they had several catches that I thought were out of bounds that you could never see on television. Am I overreacting to that? But I mean, there were a, there was a Michigan diving catch. I said, "There's no way he caught that ball." Of course, I couldn't see. So I don't know if I can start the movement to get everybody back just a little bit for the sake of television. But I guess obviously you can see it annoyed me a little bit. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll let you vent, Matt. No problem. Carrie, what do you think about the officiating overall? And then. Uh, from beyond this one game, just ha- how about the entire season? Oh, wow. Um, overall, I thought the officiating was pretty good. I'd probably give them an A- minus last night. Uh, there, were, were there an instance or two where they missed stuff? Yes. But that's any game. For the entire season... I'd probably still go A minus, B plus on the officiating. It's never going to be perfect. Some games are worse than others. Uh, but in, in Alabama's loss to Texas, I didn't feel the officials cost them the game. I felt the penalties that brought the touchdown back were legitimate penalties that, that they proved were legitimate. Uh, and for the most part, I thought, I, I thought the officiating was, was, Reasonably well done. Uh, I don't think it decided the game or or the season, really. Yeah, uh, I agree. And uh, here's a little more breaking news. I don't know if anything will come of this, but uh, Nicole Auerbach of The Athletic, I've known Nicole for years and years. She's a terrific reporter. She said, I can confirm that Connor Stallions was indeed at the Rose Bowl in the crowd and she's a picture of him and he's got this canary swallowing grin uh <laughs> why why would this guy be allowed to be in the stadium 
I don't think you can stop a guy from buying a ticket. No, I uh, think you can. Uh, you, I mean, you could. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, you it's definitely Particularly could. if his name's not on the credit card. I mean. Yeah, that's true. Hey, what if, you know, Wanda Joe Smith bought his ticket for him? I, 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 no. I, that'd be they hard have to enforce, check man. every person you, You'd have to in. put somebody at every gate with his picture. And I just don't think they took it that seriously. It is odd, and shout out to Nicole for discovering that and, and put that out there. Uh, it, it is breaking news. It is something people need to know. But just the fact that he was there doesn't mean that Michigan condoned well, it, 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 to it, be it, fair. And, 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 Kerry and Matt, here's the thing. I never would have uh, thought two blanks about a guy holding a cell phone up on the sideline. But now that Michigan clearly has been cheating, I mean, I, I think it's is a, a slam dunk of a legal case if you were to, go to if you're going to try it uh, that you, you could possibly have. But now everything is suspect, and that's and that that's what they did kind of to us. But they here, made us not trust the integrity of the game. But here's the here's the bottom line over all of it. What happened with Stallions and whether Stallions got in the game was not supposed to be there. Perhaps he wasn't supposed to be there. Perhaps, and I think Lars has dug this up, you're not supposed to have a cell phone taking pictures towards the field during the game. But are they going to do anything about it? Heck no. Are I they going to do, yeah, do anything gonna 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 about the previous investigation? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, Maybe. the NCA still hasn't announced what they are going to do with Jim Harbaugh and I, I think the sanction will be very significant um, which is why I think as I may I, I believe that you guys agree with me that Harbaugh will be the head coach of the San Diego Chargers uh, next year except I think they're in LA now Lars yeah that too <laughs> uh, they'll always be in San Diego yeah. with John Hadle as the quarterback in my opinion yeah, yeah. he wore Dan's my number 21 <laughs> Hey, uh, Kerry, did you have a good New Year's? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, it, was, it was laid back. Didn't do anything uh, dramatic, uh, you know, unless you count the Dairy Queen drive-thru. But uh, it was, you know, it was laid back. It's a good way. Hey, uh, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. And we'll be talking to you throughout the basketball season, which we're going to start discussing heavily here in the next day or so. Thank you, Kerry Clark. Right. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, All right, Kerry. You know, uh, Lars. <laughs> There was another game on last night, and I know the Alabama-Michigan game was important to all. But, man, Washington holding off Texas. Let's yeah. take a shot at that real quick when we get back and wrap up the first edition 2024 of Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Next, Inside the Locker Room with Coach Wimp Sanderson and Barry Sanderson. Tune in Wednesday. We'll clean up the Alabama Michigan game and look at the transfer portal. Uh, see if any Alabama players will put their name in and how that roster will uh, pan out for next year. Also, in the second hour, we'll talk to Bill Cameron and find out what the Auburn fans think about what happened up in Nashville on Tide 100.9 and 12.30 AM WTBC. Inside the Locker Room, weekdays 7 to 9 a.m. on Tide 100.9 and Tide100.9.com. 
Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. That's Laura Lee at thebamabroker.com. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The sky mostly sunny this afternoon, the high today 52. Tonight, increasingly cloudy with a low at 32. Tomorrow, cloudy and colder, some light rain at times during the day, the high 42. And Thursday, mostly sunny with a high of 51. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 49 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Lars, Matt, Wyatt, I want to thank our guests, ABC 3340's Jeff Spiegel and Kerry Clark was with us for the last 30 minutes. We thank them for their contributions on the second day of 2024. Lars, if they had uh, waited, if they waited until the new year to vote Heisman, Michael Penix Jr. would have won it walking away. Uh, no disrespect, Jaden Daniels, at all. I think he was deserving for the season. But in postgame, Penix was an artist with a canvas, and uh, he painted purple and gold. Uh, certainly Texas <laughs> showed their wear. But Michael Penix Jr. last night threw for 430 yards, 76% completion, and two touchdowns. And he is the sole reason the Huskies are undefeated and headed the championship game a week from last night. He was just absolutely phenomenal. I mean, Matt, he just made throw after throw after throw. And, um, you know, he put touch on the ball. He was able to put juice on it and, and, uh, and feather it through. Uh, two defenders, uh, just to every single pass he made. I mean, it really was one of the more remarkable performances by a quarterback I've ever seen on that stage. And th- there's actually a lot of uh, topics to discuss about this game. To me, it looked like Quinn Ewers was concussed. And he really, he just kind of wasn't the same player after that. Um, I know he went through a, a battery of tests, but uh, on that final play of the game, Texas got exactly what they wanted. That wide receiver who had just made like one of the most incredible catches I've ever seen, it was like he was in mid-flight and then he kicked his legs up and he got even higher. I mean, it was really, I was like, Wow. He's defying gravity. And then they got him right there in the corner of the end zone. 
and all viewers have to do is just put some mustard on it, put some heat on that ball, and that is a touchdown. Texas wins, a remarkable comeback. But what does he do? He lobs it off his back foot, and bam, ball batted down, game over. Um, so that told me that something was wrong with viewers, but um, – Really, the, the story of the night, as you said, was was panics, and I, I I would love to go back and research this, but how guys do when they finish second in the Heisman in the huh. bowl games is I would bet that they, generally speaking, have far better performances than the guys who win the Heisman. It's a good observation. Um, I truly don't know. I have known at least seems like a few times that quarterbacks that have won didn't perform well in their bowl games but they are also I've seen the guys that have won who have excelled what, but anyway, what did you also, think what did you think about that final play of the game I I would agree with you um I I really thought Texas was a better team going in and maybe yours was banged up but um you wouldn't figure in this day and age if there was any Slight, um, you know, any hey, slight this concussion. Is, this is Texas we're talking about, man. <laughs> Get ready, Big 12. Uh, hey, and guess who's playing each other next year? They'll play each other twice in 2024. Uh, Texas, Washington. Texas and Washington. Yeah. Oh, I, you know, I didn't know that they had, uh, they were on the schedule. Nope. What about Texas coming to the Southeastern Conference? Whoa! Another team from the state of Texas is going to enter the stadium, and that's big time. So um, you got number one, Michigan, versus number two, Washington. Michigan has come out as an early four-and-a-half-point favorite. Do you have any thoughts on this, or you just want to wait and talk about it the rest of the week? I mean, my initial thought is what I saw from Washington, those guys are going to be tough to beat. Um, just because Penix is playing at a different level than everybody else right now. Um, and if I'm a NFL GM, I got the first or second, third overall pick, I look hard at him because, God, he just, he is really, really good. Uh, but at the same time, I know from talking to uh, reporters who cover Michigan day in and day out, they have something going on there, this us-against-the-world mentality. Um, and, like, they did not shy away from big, bad Alabama. They thought, you know, everybody was talking about the size difference between uh, the players, and, and it, was, it was very evident on the field. But then uh, Michigan went out there. I wouldn't say they whipped Alabama, but, you know, they they won the battle of the trenches on both sides. And I think Washington could be susceptible. Their defense, uh, they, they could have some problems with uh, just everything that we saw in the Rose Bowl. Alabama's defense is far superior to Washington's. I think it's going to come down to the other side. Can Penix put up, you know, 31 points against that Michigan defense? And again, as as us uh, Alabama people found out, that Michigan defense is pretty damn good. Man. Right. What, what are your initial thoughts about this game? 
I go back and forth, and then I, right now, I come back and I settle on what wins games, defenses. But how many defenses can shut down Michael Penix Jr.? I mean, he's a wild card that could win a game 45 to 41. Yeah, I don't know that Michigan can put up 41, but I know Washington can put up 45 on anybody in the nation. They are that good, and Penix is that good. So, basically, I just split the fence, and I would, I would go right now. I'm leaning towards Penix with a hot hand. Do you, you think most Alabama fans are rooting for Washington? 100%. Do you In think fact, we'll a, go all is week there, long. Is there a level of respect now that Alabama fans have for I Michigan, so. or is it still just these guys are cheaters? I don't think they, uh, Alabama fans have ever liked Michigan a lot, but, um, I think it's just as far as the, the numbers and the game that was played last night, I think, man, you gotta, gotta give them some credit. I mean, cause they, they stood toe to toe and landed the last blow against, uh, a team that had developed into one of the more physical and one of the top four teams in the nation. So, but I uh, I do think there will not be a literal asterisk, but um, there will be figuratively one. And it will go back to the Stallions deal, to the obvious cheating that Michigan has been doing over the past couple of years. Um, but as I said to you and Kerry just a minute ago, it's not going to make any difference. Michigan wins the national championship. They'll win the national championship. And the Big Ten wants that. I'm not sure the NCAA does, but it's not going to matter. They'll still have the national championship. Then, uh, then Harbaugh will literally ride off into the sunset and take the cash and, and go to uh, Los Angeles. Yeah. And, Los and, Angeles and they can is... penalize him all they want to when he's making $11 million on the West Coast. Yeah, and it's such an attractive job because you got a franchise quarterback in Justin Herbert and – Harbaugh in the NFL has never had a player like that. And, you know, Harbaugh is so kooky. Uh, and we've talked about it all last week about just, uh, how eccentric and just bizarre he is. I think bizarre is probably the right descriptive word to describe him. Um, yeah, I, I think he's gone. And I do think I'm, I'm rooting for Washington, but I, I think Michigan's going to end up winning a national title because, you know, they had a lot of guys who could have gone to the NFL, Matt, and, and they came back. Yep. Like this shared sort of commitment. And it, 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 it's big. And you can tell, like, you know, when there was never any panic on that Michigan sideline. And I don't know if you saw J.J. McCarthy after the game, Matt, but... Wow, what a articulate, well-spoken young man. Very impressive. He's an interesting guy. I, I saw in one of their pregame clips that uh, he's a big believer in meditation. And he comes out pregame and he sets his shoes at the back of the end zone at this one particular place. And then he goes over and he sits with his back to the base of the Gold Coast, puts his head in his hands, and then just thinks 
Interesting guy. I, I love that. I love yeah. that. It's pretty cool. Well, do you do that against your, you know, like your dishwasher in the kitchen every morning? <laughs> I All do right. it to summon the writing gods every morning, yes. Good show, Lord. Thank you. We'll do it again in 22 hours. Thank you, everybody, and Happy New Year.